0: <laughs> Anyhow, I am an adult child, and my name is Michael, and I'm here out in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Again, thank you, Jonathan, for the opportunity to be in this meeting and share. So I'm reading something right now on page six of this red book, and after we read the 14 longer traits, it says here, these 14 traits describe a personality who cannot truly love another person or truly allow a higher power to work in his or her life. It's talking about the way I think, feel, and behave. And on page 7, it often tells me, our false self is constantly, seeks outward affection, recognition, or praise, but we secretly believe we don't deserve it. Meanwhile, the inner child is driven into hiding the false self is the adult personality expressed in the 14 traits of the laundry list. And the final reading is going to be on page 60 in the red book. This soul rupture is the abandonment by our caregivers. The abandonment sets us up for a life of looking outward, outward for love and safety that never comes. The codependent of the adult child is out- For non alcoholic, home is the same and leads to the same loss of self. There we have it. Just like that. All right, I have some background about myself. uh, Growing up in Connecticut, I have a sister two years younger than myself. Uh, How would I describe my childhood? Uh, Probably the dysfunction which is the spirituality of this program, I would say I like lived in a house with no windows or doors. It was a... Uh, people could come in and do what they want, say what they want, and leave. And then I found myself maybe like living in a country without borders. Uh, as a young child, I didn't understand. The, the, the message I got very early was children should be seen and not heard. The children could be seen and not heard. You know that was very subtle. A lot of my trauma in early childhood was uh, very subtle. I didn't uh, apparently didn't even realize that it was happening. Uh, I, my father was a cross country truck driver, and he would go for months at a time on the road. I clearly remember one one time waking up in the middle of the night and hearing my mother sobbing in the window outside of the house, and and I walked there into the doorway, and I was behind her just watching her, and she was sobbing, and I heard the truck as it was leaving about 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. I could hear the truck leaving town, and my mother was just uncontrollably sobbing. And I thought, jeez, I have to do something about this. I don't want my mother to be crying. That probably was the manifestation of becoming the hero child the person who was going to rescue my mother. And as I grew uh, older and older, I became my mother's surrogate husband. My father would be gone for months at a time, and you know, when he came home, he would always stop at the bar, and then then he would come home. <laughs> so children should be seen and not heard. I remember my sister and I dancing in front of the TV. One night, when both my parents were there, and I, we were told, you. You people make a better door than a window. Move away. Now I'm starting to withdraw. The message I'm getting is that ignored. I'm being ignored. I'm not being uh, validated in the present moment. I'm a child. I don't know all this yet. I'm not understanding what's going on internally, but I'm starting to withdraw. Absolutely. And uh, one other instance was my father was. Uh, he, he was gone for a year. We didn't know where he was. He didn't call. He was on the road, traveling wherever he was. And then all of a sudden, we've seen our dinner at 6 p.m. in the evening. So my mother set a plate for uh, my sister, her, and myself at 6. And my father walked in. He, my mother went over, got another plate, put it on the table, and we all ate. And nobody said a word. We didn't, hi, how you been? Where you been? My father didn't talk, we didn't talk. And when we were all done eating, we just scattered. Everybody scattered. It was never talked about after that. I think that was the manifestation of the don't talk, don't trust, don't feel thing that I've read in this literature in HCA. So, you know, things are progressing along. So we're at an early age, in my teens, I started to experiment with alcohol and- uh, 10 more minutes, Michael. And other things. At age 18, I decided to leave and I went into the military. And I went into the military. So, the trauma from my house, I just had to escape because it wasn't something, I don't know what was going on with me. So, I went into the military. And at age 19, I found myself in Vietnam and i decided while i was there that anything is going to happen to me i don't really want to feel it or know about it so i started experimenting with some of the most highly addictive and lethal drugs on earth and that produced more trauma and so i left the military I was coming back from Vietnam in Seattle and they were protesting. They threw eggs at us. They called us baby killers and you know, more trauma. I'm not understanding this trauma and it's all being stored in my body because right now I'm minimizing the trauma that's been occurring in my life. I'm minimizing because it was like every, every other week, something was going to happen and know, oh, well, it's just my life, the way it goes sideways. What I've learned to understand is, I don't say anymore w- what just happened to me. I say to myself, what will this do for me? A whole different way to look at it. So in 1981, I found myself in a 12-step program. I came into Alcoholics Anonymous in 1981 because my life was totally out of control. Alcohol and Rose had overtaken, I failed relationships, And that love and safety that I was looking for outwardly wasn't ever coming. And I didn't understand it until I came to the 12-step program. As soon as I got the 12-step program, I learned very quickly that 12-step programs are volunteer programs. And 12-step programs are spiritual programs. And I started to understand that a little bit. Thank God for my mentors early on. In the beginning, I was shown unconditional love and acceptance. My first... Sponsored for me. Just believe that I believe. Okay. And he went on to say that the only thing permanent in life is change. So what's happening right here, right now, in this moment, an hour from now, will change. Okay. I, as fogged up as I was, I understood that. That I could that I could understand it. So I started to progress along in in the in the uh, twelve program, and got sober. Maintains the sobriety for many years. And then at the end of uh, a year, I decided to come down back to Florida. I've been to North Carolina where I had to go to meet my first sponsor and I came back down. And before he left, he says, your father took the drink and your mother got drunk. And I said, oh boy, this is a whole lot bigger than I thought. 1985, I ran across what we call adult children of alcoholics and we would go to a meeting once a week i was i had a marriage at that time an aa marriage marriage for 13 years we she had issues i had issues and then we had issues together so miraculously aca adult children showed up and here we were so we go to the meeting once a week we only had the 12 steps and the uh, Tony A's 12 steps and uh, the laundry list. And we'd all sit around and pontificate on that for a while. Then go to the Olive Garden, have something to eat, and that was our ACA night out. And that's the way it went. Uh, eventually, the marriage failed. The marriage failed because of my inability to talk about my true self. So I studied the, a- the ACA. Workbook. I've done this ACA you know, workbook three times. Two traveling, two, which I just recently finished it with another fellow traveler. This is my third time. It's just that you don't do the 12 steps, then you're finished, you're done, you're whole, you're recovered, and everything is wonderful. It doesn't happen that way. I constantly study and reread and look at the stuff that's going on. I started to understand that these diamond hard survival traits. Are need to be integrated, Um, I can integrate them into my life and they become valuable tools for me to learn how to to attain a higher level of clarity, a higher uh, sense of wholeness and uh, peace of mind and serenity within my life. Uh, One of the things, uh, the first three steps for myself. I would call the give-in steps. They are the steps where I give in to people, places, and situations in the present moment. Because I know it's going to change. So I understand. And then four through nine steps were what I would uh, call the cleanup steps. And then 10, 11, 12 are the grow-up steps for me. And that's the way I've learned how to apply the 12 steps in my life. Steps four and five is where I started to develop a relationship with myself, learning about who I am. When I go through this book, I actually do the fourth step and write these the sheets, which are, which are, these sheets are filled out. All I gotta do is fill in the blanks, and I do that with my fellow traveler. We work the fourth step together, sheet by sheet. Then they have a gentleness break. Then we do praise work, which is something different from my other 12-step folks. I married all the programs together. I had to take the information from my other program to this program and marry the programs together. So at the end of the the PTSD worksheet, it says a feeling sentence, and you fill in the blanks. I feel safe when sharing my feelings because I have learned that my this is my truth and I am freer. And that's what I've been able to do because I was told very early on in recovery that, when I tell on me, I get better. When I tell on you, I get sicker. So that's kind of like it was imprinted right in the front of my brain for years. It's still there, you know? And that's been a, a saving grace for me. When I started to look at the 28, 12 steps, by the way, what did I talk for? Four five was the relationship I developed with myself. Then when I approached step six and seven, I started to develop this relationship with this God or this higher power, whatever you prefer, good orderly direction, great outdoors, grow or die, whatever you want to do. And I still to develop this relationship with this power greater than myself. I read spiritual literature and I came across this interesting line that says the word God comes from the old German language, meaning the highest good of radiant energy. I like that idea. I use that idea. So my higher power is the highest good of radiant energy. And when I'm engaged in that sense or that feeling of personality about myself, I am able to be the highest good, treat people, you know, the way they should be treated. And then and I get that in return from people. And then, of course, steps eight and nine is where I start to develop my relationships with the oldest people around me, Maybe just depends on who it is I'm talking to at the time. I understand everybody functions at their own level, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. What, what, I think what I'm really trying to emphasize is here, doing the work... Few more minutes, Michael. Doing the work creates the change, the change that continues to allow me to grow like spiritually. I continue to enhance, enlarge, and expand my spiritual life by reading spiritual literature, talking for like minded people. When I looked at the ACA promises, just a couple weeks ago, I looked, at, was looking them over and gazing, and I thought, geez, these are healing promises. And they also give me the ability to gauge the depth of my emotional sobriety, how emotionally sober I am becoming when I start to look at these promises. Oh, my. Prayer. My, my intimacy has increased. I don't fear intimacy anymore because I share my truth. I uh, am able to love people who can love and be responsible for themselves. I am attracted to the strength and I'm more tolerant of my weaknesses. You know, I, I know that I'm imperfect and my higher power loves me unconditionally. Will never abandon me, will never scold me, will never belittle me or shame me. Shame and abandonment are the bookends of this particular program, and my story is somewhere in the middle of this program. And I've learned to adapt and accept exactly who I am. When I meditate, I, I'm owning myself. I'm not looking at what I'm thinking, but I'm looking at how I think. How I saw a bumper sticker, meditation is not what you think. <laughs> I said, okay. So probably to say my brain used to be wrapped with Velcro. And all these negative energy thoughts would just stick there. Today, my brain is wrapped with Teflon. Thoughts slide in, and then they slide out. Do I think crazy sometimes? Yes. Am I able to play and have fun in my life? Absolutely. Am I more spontaneous and outgoing? Absolutely. Because the spirit within me is healing. A day at a time. You know, the soul, the soul rupture. They talk about the soul. The soul is the thing that energizes my mind and enlivens my body. And I'm able to become more freer. There's only That's higher. Time, Michael. I was only higher and higher in the world of the spirit. I could talk about this for days, but you know, perhaps some. Um, I'm done anyhow. Thank you very much for this opportunity, Jonathan and everybody else. Uh, keep doing the work, and I guarantee you'll get better. <laughs> Thank you.